Mate, this is going to be awesome. It's not stayed to come down for that one. Hit him, hit him. It's more than just a hobby, it's who we are. Cracker. That's why we hunt. Welcome to the Educated Hunter Podcast. Greetings everyone, Matt here. Got some good news. Kieran and I are looking to increase the frequency of our podcast. So jumping from twice a month to once a week, which is great news for you guys. We are looking to increase our reach, which is good for New Zealand hunting because the more people who listen to our podcast, the more our message and the knowledge, collective knowledge of those that we interview gets propagated throughout the New Zealand hunting community. And we're also looking to increase the quality of what we do. So what that means is getting out, interviewing more people, different people, a wider range of people, and hopefully at a higher level. Me and Curran might have to brush up our interviewing technique. will also result in a higher quality podcast for you guys, our audience. In order to do this, we're going to need a little bit of a capital injection, to be fair. So we've decided to go out and look for partners, other businesses that want to tell their story, advertise their business or their product within the New Zealand hunting industry, but also grow with us as a community as we increase that reach and increase that listenership. So if you're a New Zealand hunting-based business or any kind of business that aligns with our audience, give us a yell. It's a tricky thing these days getting your name, business and ideas in front of people. We have to compete pretty hard to grab people's attention. We get bombarded with ads these days on Facebook, Instagram, magazines. Everywhere we look, there's another advertisement. So it gets harder and harder to really break through and get your name and product out there. Podcasting and long-form audio allows you to tell your business's story. You'll be able to allow our audience to understand what makes you tick, what products you sell, what your core values are as a business. And that sets a really great foundation for creating lifelong customers. If that sounds like something you might be interested in, give us a yell on the Educated Hunter at gmail.com or flick us a message on Instagram. Uh, if you're listening and you can think of a business that might be good for us, uh, open to suggestions. And if you're just one of our listeners and you want to help out, the best thing you guys can do is recommend us to your mates, get other people listening to the podcast. There should be something in there for everyone these days. We've got a great back catalogue now. Or jump on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on, be it Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, whatever you might be listening on, and just leave us a review. That really helps out as well. It means it pushes our podcast up the list when people are searching for things within hunting. Really appreciate it, guys. Thanks very much, and enjoy the podcast. This podcast is with Khan Adam. This is the second time he's been on the podcast. Uh, and actually similar to the last one, we are up another iconic Canterbury River. We've got a four-day tar hunt immediately at level two post-COVID, and we've got his eight-year-old boy Max with us on this journey, so he's come out for his first proper hunt, if you like, which involves a hut and some dock land and, I guess, multiple species, so um, it's a big learning occasion for Khan and Max. 
and you know I was pretty lucky just to be there to see that unfold and share that with them and we chat about anything it's a fairly casual talk somewhere along the line I think the podcast sort of turns itself around and Khan's asking me questions but uh, content wise it's really good and I've actually edited in a little couple minutes of a podcast I did with Max Khan's eight-year-old boy about this hunt and other hunts and what it means to spend time with his dad so uh, yeah cool podcast enjoy it this is gonna be so good if you've got a nose whistle on there because you just can't give me shit ever again oh how will you know this my nose whistle though you'll never better know basically because i do the editing it'll be your nose whistle <laughs> that works for me i'm happy with that okay right mm. all right so khan khan is back on the podcast i think you could be the first second time rounder cool <laughs> it's like a milestone moment it's one of the, the ogs yeah i think you were number three ever mm. and um followed a pretty similar trend in the fact that we're up another canterbury valley in fact it could be that he only invites me on a hunt when <laughs> he wants to do a podcast but anyway <laughs> we won't go there but we're up another canterbury valley we've been let out uh, almost well immediately after lockdown so as soon as level two hit we managed to get straight into the mountains day after um, and we brought Khan's oldest boy, Max, with us. He's on his first big hunt. First proper hunt. First proper hunt, is, yep. that, is that yep. the wording? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we had some pretty big expectations around the hunt. Yeah, we did, actually. <laughs> We've been talking this one up for a long time, haven't we? Yeah, it did. And the, the trip up was basically, it basically fitted the scene of a hunt in El Dorado. Nobody had been up here for eight weeks. There was just going to be animals everywhere. Yeah. We'd be fending them off with the bull bars of the land. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to have to make some big decisions. Yeah. The biggest decision we probably had to make in the last two days is whether we went outside or not due to the rain or fog. <laughs> 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 That's right. Today came around all right. Yeah. What are we, day day three of our four-day hunt? Yeah. And we finally got some blue sky. Yeah. About two o'clock. But it's been good. Ticked off a few... I guess a few of Max's must-dos. Mm. Must-dos? Well, yeah. Why is it important for you to have your kids come along on these sorts of journeys? Um, obviously, hunting's a massive part of my life. And uh, <clears throat> bringing the wee fellas up into that, is, it's been a tricky, a really tricky thing for me because um, I've seen I've seen it done right. I've seen it done wrong um, in regards to uh, guys raising their young fellas in the hunting scene. So, yeah, I've sort of had to to learn as we go in regards to bringing these guys along but um as i referred to this is max's first proper hunt they've been out on you know wallaby shooting trips and we've shot the odd fellow deer on private land and that sort of thing but they've always been probably my number one fan when it comes to the youtube videos and that sort of thing and and they've always been at my case to come on these proper hunts so um you know max is only eight now and he's at the at the point now where he's um probably able enough to to wander around sort of uneven ground and steep stuff and that sort of thing so yeah, this is his first proper hunt, um, and um, yeah, we've got him out there. We've what have we tipped over two red deer for some meat, and then we shot a bull tar today. Mm. Yeah. So. so what? So when you talk about, I guess, parenting and and bringing a child or a kid, even if it's not your child or kid, but a, a young person into hunting, have you put, I guess, stages in that or parameters in that? You know, you know, like yeah, well, what, what we're about we're about to use it because, like, like you say, you've seen it done. Well and not so well, so I guess you kind of pick the eyes out of the good bits. Mm, mm. And um, well, what, what, what I've seen has probably been the biggest fault of um, guys trying to bring their young fellas into hunting is is they're trying to basically achieve a whole lot of milestones for this young person well before their time, and it's more 
what's typically for the yeah. for the dad. Yeah, it's <laughs> more revolved around the dad and and the dad sort of having a bit of pride in that. And but yeah, so I've I've got some parameters, some some pretty tight parameters around my young fellas. Um, they're both crack shots with the rifle, especially Max. You give him that two four three, and he outshoot me any day. But yeah, they're, they're, in regards to the parameters, they've both got to tick off ten wallabies each before they're allowed to shoot a deer. And these are going to be ten wallaby clean wallaby kills. Um, and like anyone else, could use any sort of varmint for that. You know, whether it be hares or possums, that sort of thing. And then once they've completed their ten their ten kills, uh, then we step it up to a deer. And uh, from there, they can take three hinds, clean kills, and all in that time we. Uh, we're learning to do our butchery and our, our um, looking after the meat and that sort of thing. And then they can step up into the, the stag or, and same with the, the tar, they can shoot three nannies before they let us shoot a bull. And, um, yeah, I, I guess that that's just something I've decided on. And I feel like that's a way they can really, uh, learn as they go and really have an appreciation for their first animals once they get to tick that box. Cause they're sort of going to be a fair way through there. I guess their hunting career by the time they actually get to shoot their first deer mm. and um, you know they might be into their early teens or something by that stage I'm not sure but the way Max is going I'd say it's going to be pretty soon. Mm. But it's also it puts a natural handbrake on it too. Yeah. Like it's a cool idea that well they've got to go out and, and shoot the wallabies but when you think of that typical wallaby country there's like they're likely that they're going to see deer doing that. Yeah. And it's good for them to go out and see deer and know oh well we're not allowed to take them today. Yeah. But get the time to watch them, yep. learn from it, you know, learn more about the species. Yeah, no, that's a that's a real big part of that. Mm. And like you, you you see it so common these days where you know, really young fellas are shooting their first deer on a crop paddock or something or on, on some private land or something, and that's not going to mean much to them when they get later in life, whether they continue hunting or not. But um, yeah, I think I think the the biggest thing is just not to not to force it on them. Go at their mm. leisure. Um, like today was a prime example, you know. We were spotting tar up high, and all I wanted to do, my natural instinct, was to <laughs> leg it to the bluffs, up. you know, <laughs> get in there and get amongst them. But yeah. we were we were very limited to where we could go, and and obviously pretty lucky still to be able to get a, a young bull that was down low enough to um yeah pick it up. Yeah, for sure. And it made Max's day. Yeah, Dad's like Dad's brimming. Well, yeah, and Dad's day, but yeah, but it was brimming ear to ear. So. Oh yeah, and uh, that Dad Dad's shooting definitely wasn't. On uh, on par, which is pretty standard for him <laughs> these days. <laughs> well, that's right. But I know we, um, you know, the, the couple deer when we went and retrieved them too. Like the good, the good things to see from well, one a dad, but two like Max. You know, and it's probably ties in with the learning he's having to do. You know, we discussed meat and we discussed basic mm. anatomy, like very basic. But it was all, and it was all about why we're taking this out. Yeah. And what we can do with it. And, you know, even, you know, again, he got that little smile on his face, like, are we going to be able to eat some of that tonight? Like, yeah. he knew that's where it came from and that's why it was done. And, yeah. And that's a good relationship. And it was actually, it was actually really cool to have you there to be able to do that because up until now, it's just been dad waffling on about, you know, this is this and this <laughs> is that. Lessons. And then, um, yeah. you know, to be able to stand back and have Kieran give a wee bit of a lesson, um, on the meat and that sort of thing as well. But, that was really good because obviously those deer we shot, it was Max and I shot them together late on the first night we got here. So we sort of gutted them and spread them out, let them cool down and then retrieved them the next day and you're obviously able to join us. Yeah, well, just on Max, like as an eight-year-old, the first night, I don't know what that is, a couple of three Ks mm. walk yeah, and, I mean, and, and one just, half on the way back was in the yeah. under headlight. Yeah. And then 
you know, today was a bigger walk again. He's doing the Ks. He's looking pretty shattered right now, don't he? <laughs> yeah, he's rolled over. <laughs> <laughs> no, That's probably him. good. He's missing out on the jibber jabber. Yeah. No, he's done good and he's helped out with the camp chores too, which is good. Yeah, he cooked a hell of a feed of bacon and eggs. But that's part of it too, isn't it? Like all the little bits. Yeah. One thing that's come about over the trip is Max is actually writing a little story about this hunt, which mm. I think is really cool too. Mm. You know, hope, you know, hopefully he shares it with his brother and sister or mum or whoever it is that listens, mm. kids, school, whatever. Yeah. But it's a really cool story from from his side and and and, and the bits that he saw value in. Mm. Like that's quite cool. Yeah, totally. I'm sure his mm. teacher's going to hear all about it on Monday when they're back at school. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Alrighty, Max. You're the youngest ever educated hunter podcastee. Mm, yep. <laughs> you sound nervous, buddy. Uh, no, not really. Not really? How old are you, Max? I'm um, eight. Eight. How have you enjoyed this weekend? Um, good. So this is your first big hunt, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. What have you enjoyed about it, buddy? Um, I've enjoyed the bat shooting to red deer on the first day and... Shooting a bull um, um, yes, yesterday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you enjoyed, what about all the, the scenery? Yeah, I've enjoyed the views and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You've done really well, man. You've done some big walks, eh? Mm-hmm. Those little legs? Mm-hmm. Up the rivers? Yeah. And you had your wee, your wee mate, Barney? Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty special, isn't he? Mm-hmm. What do you enjoy about hunting? Um, I really enjoy just being out in nature and having fun with my dad and um, getting away um, from the TV and get off technology and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty pretty lucky to be able to spend some time with dad like this, eh? Because yeah. you've done some other hunting in other places? Mm-hmm. What's, what's another hunt that you've done? Um, we went up, I don't know what it was, the place was. Farmer's place and um, went up with my dad and Terrace and Barney. Mm-hmm. And, and Terrace is your brother. Yeah, and I think we shot two red deer on on those two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was fun. Cool. And when we were on that trip, getting one of the deer that we shot, um, the, a big red deer. Just ran past Terrace because Barney was chasing it. <laughs> Barney the deer dog. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. And and what about, do you do some target shooting? Do you practice target shooting? Yep. Yep. You think you're a good shot? Yeah. Getting better? Yeah, getting better. <laughs> what, um, have you have you shot any animals yet? Um, yes, I've shot ten rabbits and three wallabies. Wow. That's going pretty good, eh? Because how many wallabies do you need to shoot? Um, ten before I can shoot a deer and an any. Cool. That's pretty lucky, eh? It's good that you learn it all, though, isn't it? When you when we shoot the deer, like, what's the best part about that? Um, probably going to find it mm-hmm. and um watching my dad guts it. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't mind the gory bits. No. Nah. No. And you like to eat it? Yeah. Do you think you eat quite a lot of venison? Yeah, I do. Pretty tasty. Yeah. Is it your favourite or is chop still your favourite? Um, I would say about the same. Really? Yeah. Wow. And um, what are you, are you back to school tomorrow? Um, yes. Because you've had a few weeks off with yeah. this COVID yeah. issue. How, have you been doing some homeschooling? 
Um, yeah, we have. Cool. How's that been? Good. Is mum and dad a good teacher? Yeah. Oh, that's lucky. And uh, on this hunt, you've been writing a story? Yeah. That's pretty cool, eh? Yeah. Yeah? Are you going to you gonna write it up and read it to your brother and sister or your mum? Yeah, I will. Yeah, that's cool. Have you enjoyed writing it? Yeah. It's good, isn't it? It's a good way to remember all the things you got up to. Yeah. All those big walks. All that sleeping. Because <laughs> we've had some fog, haven't we? We've had to sleep in. Mm-hmm. But that's right. Well, Max, thank you very much for your your podcast. You don't have anything else you want to say to your dad? Mm, no, nah, it's all good. <laughs> nah, it's all good. <laughs> oh, buddy, you've done real well this weekend. Yep. So good on you, man. We've got Barney with us too. Yep. Boy, Barney, he's worn out too. Yep. He's become pretty famous in what, his own Yeah, what is Barney? Barney is a... Uh, he's a... Purebred Jack Russell, but he's a Jack Russell. He's got a cross, half long haired and half short haired Jack Russell. So, um, always wanted a Jack Russell because I've seen some pretty cool ones in their time. But yeah, he's definitely fit the bill. <laughs> that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we got off some breeders down in Omaru and fitted in really well with the family and loves some adventure. That's for sure. Good. He's a good. Mm. He's a good wee dog. He's been good. Yeah. He's um. He's a far better dog when he sleeps out in the truck other than in the hut when the fire's roaring he's too hot and he can't drink enough can't eat enough oh, that, first, <laughs> that first night was a shock it? but um Khan man on um on the hunting you've been doing um I guess you're you know the one thing you do do is take the time to capture capture the moments so so with that you're starting to build I guess a bit of a YouTube library um, why, why why do you do that like what what what's drawn you to do that um, initially, in all honesty, the, the videos sort of started as a, um, documenting something for the kids to watch. And, um, they've always, like I said, they're the number one fans of the YouTube videos and sort of, I'd go on a hunt and, and film on my iPhone mostly and, um, tell a bit of a story about how it went and show the kids and put it on YouTube. And then it was more than just a, I guess more than just the kids that started enjoying them. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 my style is I like to keep it real keep it raw um most people would have seen some of the videos is you know there's me missing shots there's there's some pretty shit banter and that sort of thing so it's just about keeping it real and mm-hmm. nothing fancy about it basically mm-hmm. it's the selfie camera on the iphone and and me talking shit really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's good though man and but then there's also a i guess a slightly more professional route in the fact that with the association with the hunter's journal and the wildfire film yeah yeah, that was obviously completely different style of film to what um, you know, I usually do on the on the YouTube channels. Where you can follow me around on a uh, on the raw last year, and um, basically it was just sort of an ad hoc thing where we decided we we're going to do a couple of trips together, and he was going to bring the camera, and and um, yeah, we managed to capture some pretty insane footage with the bow, and um, obviously with his talents mixed with my, I guess, good luck and good fortune, we were able mm. to pull together a pretty good film and. Yeah, his um his editing skills once he got it into the editing editing suite, yeah, came out pretty stunning. And those of you that have seen it, yeah, initially we we premiered it in the um the cinema, and then we released it uh, free to year on YouTube. And yeah, the feedback's been pretty amazing on that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, he's a pretty talented dude in that end. Of totally, it, so. totally. And it kind of fitted with your uh, your own journey in bow hunting, I guess. Mm. If that's a Descriptive, yeah. So, we've been bowhunting for a while now because we we did talk about this on the last podcast. I think it was sort of just starting out. I think it was very fresh then. I think, yeah. did I have the bow on the trip, but didn't even consider getting it out? 
quite possible. Yeah, I still have ser- <laughs> I still have serious commitment issues, as you know, on this trip. Yeah, the boat's been sit- come for a trip. This the boat's been sitting on the top bunk and hasn't really left. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it is a, a bit of a commitment thing for me, and um, I think I'm I'm definitely leaning towards the the bow more than anything now. But having young Max with us, we sort of needed to get a you know bit of meat on the deck. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, had the rifle there, but um, yeah, the bow has become a massive part of my hunting now. Mm-hmm. And well, I just, why? Oh, I just I've just found this massive sense of satisfaction i think it was something i was i was actually starting to lose in hunting you know i would always carry the rifle and you find an animal you shoot it and it was sort of all over whereas you know when you when you're bow hunting you you spot an animal and that's when the hunt really starts for me you know mm-hmm. you've got all that ground to cover all that distance to cover there's so many different things going on and then when you eventually do get an arrow and an animal it's the satisfaction to that's just yes yeah, next level and i guess those people that have been there and done that can totally totally understand where i'm coming from yeah the bow hunting's huge and i've just upgraded my bow recently from that old second hand thing that i used to rock around the hills with it's done a bit of damage so uh, what does what a what does a new bow do for you oh uh, pure technical like is it yeah like to be honest i guess i'm the same with my rifle i've never ever been a good shot in regards to you know from shooting targets and shooting paper uh, when it comes to shooting an animal, I can usually work it out pretty well. But um, with this new bow, I've just been able to sort of reset, completely reset my form and, um, yeah, bring those groups right back in on the targets. And, and when I shot I shot three fallow deer in one evening with the new bow the other day. And um, that was just a total, yeah, a total buzz for me because just so completely satisfying knowing that all that training that I've been putting in um, had really you, all, you used the four weeks of COVID lockdown well. yeah pretty much <laughs> and um, yeah I just relearned my form right from the scratch and I, you know massive thanks to young Monty Nixon for that because he's he's basically taught me from the ground up I've changed my release aid um, he's made me from some areas from scratch and he's just taught me the form right from the right from the start you know because before that I was um, all self-taught um, and that yeah so the new bow's really Yeah, massive, I understand eh? he's a bit of a fiend with the bow. Oh. <laughs> like to get him on the podcast. The kid's a freak, yeah. You can tie him down one day. Yeah, he's the man. Yeah, if you, if you don't follow him on Instagram already, you know, find young Monty Nixon on Instagram. and Like, he only puts up probably 5% of the, the stuff he actually achieves out in the mountains with the bow. But yeah, the Well, he had a cool little YouTube clip. Yeah, yeah, his recent, he did, was it bloody 100Ks in the, um, over, up somewhere through a pass down the Landsborough. <laughs> over 10 days or something ridiculous and I shot several bulls and oh yeah the guy's crazy mm. and he's only 20 Keen, eh? 20 yeah Keen and young yep man yep. with the bow do you have the kids do any bow shooting like just just recreational at home or? not yet they're very keen on it uh, I guess the only issue is with young kids they're growing so fast and their limbs are changing in length all the time so you really need to get them on like a recurve or something where you're not bound yeah. by draw length yeah because if you get them a compound bow, you're constantly having to change it just to keep it True. right with them. So, yeah, they're, they're both on my case about, you know, next birthdays can have a bow and all that sort of thing. So, yeah. Because <laughs> they, they, I'm just out in the lawn practicing all the time and they stand there and they're, they're my little range finders and my arrow hand, you know, hand yeah, me the yeah, arrow. Yeah, so, yeah. it's pretty Hitch. cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Lauren's worked out how to yank the arrows out of the target now. So, yeah. And you've brought a um, recurve? A longbow. Longbow, sorry. Oh, I, don't, yeah, I yeah. don't know if we wanted to bring that one up. Yeah, it's on there now. But, um, yeah, I was a um, friend from Christchurch, Sam Harrison. I actually met him at the um, the film premiere night, but I've been following him on Instagram for a while. Very talented man, makes bows, makes knives. Yeah, he's an awesome dude, and he, he's basically said to me, I've got this longbow here, you want to 
have a nudge with it and I sort of said, oh, yeah, okay, we'll have a go. And uh, the first, we only got it the other day and we brought it up on this trip and the most shooting we've done was that target we're shooting out the front there. Mm. And what it took. We weren't really shooting the target that much. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> turns out. 20 metres what we hit the target, oh, maybe 10% of the time. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't flash, eh? <laughs> good fun though, like it's another whole skill on its own trying to learn how to instinctive shoot. And it would be good to, and this is only based on whatever, an hours of raw shooting without any skill set. Mm. It would be good to do that with somebody that could instruct that. Yeah. Totally, totally. Well, you, you and I were basically, we took it out of the truck, put the string on, and we're like, hmm, how does this work? Yeah, yeah, and there was a whole lot of, what'd you do that time? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it would be, that would be quite a cool one to, yeah. to get those tips, Yeah, I think, to move forward, because you sort of, based on where I'm at with that thing at the moment, it's just blind luck. Oh, yeah, because what did we do? We'd hit the target and then try and repeat what we did next time and completely miss the target. Or put it, we had the target at, what, 20 metres, mm. three arrows, and we're yet to get three on the box. That was our one goal. Yeah, yeah. That was our one goal, yeah. and uh, it didn't happen. And so. I think I think we got worse rather than better. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And you also you you contribute articles and stuff for Hunters Journal too, eh? Yep. Obviously, I guess a little bit about the Hunters Journal. I'm um, one of the owners alongside Cam. Cam's the founder of the Hunters Journal, and I've sort of helped along the way, um, and I sort of help him. Um, with some day-to-day running of the of the magazine, and part of that is gathering a bit of content for the mag. Although um, I, I'm generally on the the far end of the lens rather than behind the camera when it comes to that, because my photos quite up, aren't quite up to Cam standard yet, <laughs> and uh, he's got a lot of work on to do on me to uh, to get in there. But yeah, it's um, something I'd love to learn to do. Like, what we went out yesterday. And I didn't take a weapon with me and I took the camera and I was actually mm. really enjoying taking photos. So Well, that was until you took my weapon off me. Yeah, good point. You gave me the meat to carry back. <laughs> you didn't want to put it on the podcast or put so, it out there. I was supposed to make those things public. <laughs> you, car- you carried a hell of a load of meat back too. I was quite impressed. That's that pig hunting mentality, eh? Yeah. But what, so what drew you to the Hunter's Journal? Um, obviously, I, you know, Cam's been a friend for, for many years and he's a hell of, hell of a creative mind, that kid unbelievably creative and we can obviously see that with the with the quality of the content that comes out in the hunter's journal and his uh, films and that sort of thing and he basically was looking for someone to help him get a business running that's where i sort of stepped in because got a wee bit of a business you know mind on my shoulders so yeah that's where i sort of helped cam out mm. and um, obviously i totally back his his content and his, his style and that sort of thing with the mag i think it's yeah it's just changed, absolutely shaken up the uh, the magazine industry yeah, but even as a um, like a a hunt content provider, like without even narrowing it to magazine, like it's changed it and it's dragged out. One thing I like from a because I'm a non-creative, the one the one of the things I see is it's dragged out some really good hunt and wildlife photographers oh, out of the woodworks that totally. weren't publicly in that frame. Yep, you know, and I think that's a really cool thing. Yep, just just the fact, and they they're all. All the ones I'm aware of, anyway, are all passionate hunters, and it's cool to see those guys come out and start contributing at that level. Because mm. it's well, anybody can basically contribute a story in some form, yep. whether it's good enough or not. Yep. Like, but very few guys can capture quality images at that high, high end, yep. and and genuine hunt imagery, yep. like not landscape and all that sort of stuff. You can get away with. I, know, I get. I do understand that there is better versions, but you can get away with a good one of those. Yep. But you've got to know what you're doing 
in a photography world and a hunt world to, and I'll mention his name, like Blake, to get those roaring stags where you see their eyes yeah. rolling back. Oh, yeah. Like you just, the emotion of what that captures yeah. is just intense. Yeah. And, and like obviously Cam has that ability, but yeah. um, what we're referencing is the other guys that have been drawn out to, to help contribute to that high end of that stuff. Like that's cool. Yeah. But that's a really cool byproduct of that. Yeah. We've, sure. um, we've, we've got an open submissions form sort of thing on the uh, website where people can, you know, if they want to submit an article and some photos, they can, they can willingly go and do that through the website and, yeah, we've had a lot of submissions and a lot of them you sort of go, oh, you know, that might be more suited to another magazine or, <laughs> um, but we've had some amazing ones come through too. And just some people that have come out of the woodwork and can take a great photo and obviously got the skills to hunt. But the big part of that is, like you said, combining the two and being able to tell the story. Mm. There's one thing being able to take a good photo. There's one thing being able to shoot an animal, but to be able to tell the story from where to go, photograph it and then write about it. It's, yeah, it's not, not very common. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. No, not not at that level. So it's yeah, cool. It's yeah. cool. No, yeah, I, I only see that magazine or that brand growing. Yeah, like we've 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 obviously gone completely away from the standard hunting magazines with the glossy covers and the pictures of the dead animals and that sort of thing. And and, and our idea is that it, while it's only quarterly, um, the magazine's more suited for the coffee table in the lounge where the wife can cruise along and pick it up and just. Uh, totally appreciate the photos and the imagery mm-hmm. and that's through it and she may read something and mm-hmm. you know and in turn that that's always going to benefit the hunter and himself to to better mm-hmm. show the wife what it's going to be it's going to benefit without diving down politics like it's going to benefit the hunting community mm-hmm. if non-hunters or, yep. or or those that don't favor hunting to be able to look at something confidently yep. and comfortably yep. yeah that's important yeah yeah we don't we don't aim to have lots of dead animals with tongues hanging out and the mag, it's just all about, you know, nice, nice, clean imagery. And, mm. Yeah, and all I see, you could probably, you know, like I said, I'm not a creative like yourself. If you wanted to really dive down that one more, Cam's probably the best person. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, on that, one of your recent hunts was your Fjordland hunt. Mm. And, um, I mean, obviously you were lucky enough to get five days pre-COVID. Yeah. It's five more than... A lot of people got. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it probably didn't feel like that way to you nah. when you were getting chopped at early. But nah. you've been to Fjordland a few times, man. You've been successful. What is it about Fjordland? I don't know. That's that's really like I've been asked that question a few times. It's really a hard one to put into words. Obviously, there's country, and then there's the animals and the adventure and all that sort of thing, and the adventure with the mates. And it's just, hmm, yeah, really, really hard to explain. But this this trip was. Was something special we'd obviously drawn a really good block we'd had the wild natives first period and um there was me norts clay and blake I mean, a few of you would have seen the video yeah we'd been fizzing about this one for a long time and and we went in there when how come i didn't get it more i just while we're on here i think it came down to fitness probably well, um, well we fear, fear then. yeah <laughs> um well basically the guys that went on the ballot it was only me and norts on the ballot the other two brought a skill to the party oh, right. like <laughs> Blake was the photos. Right. Blake was the photos and capturing the content, and basically the bush basher and the trailblazer and everything else, and the cook and the good yarns. And Clay was the basically the uh, I don't know what you call him. He was a he was a, a camp donkey. <laughs> I, I be, he'd carry the pack. He'd carry the food. He'd come along and he'd tell good yarns as well. And he's good, just great to have around camp. And Clay's great because he's not a not a hunter whatsoever. So 
every time he comes on a mission with me, it's always my shot and he always carries my <laughs> Yeah, that works. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. There's no grey area. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's, he's, the best, he's, he's my ultimate hunting buddy, to be honest. Um, but anyway, the field on trip, yeah, we've been fizzing about it. And, and just before we flew in, the whole COVID thing, coronavirus thing, was just starting to get a bit silly overseas. And I had a really weird feeling in my gut actually disappearing into Fjordland and you know think, well I remember we had a conversation yeah yeah I actually rang you up and asked yeah. you know should I be going because yeah. you know you've been in a very similar position to me in life with kids and business and that sort of thing I just sort of thought mm. I needed some advice and yeah, um, yeah. yeah any, anyway we ended up going um, it wasn't a nice feeling but um, yeah we got under the block and um, once you were there you would have been void of it like it, what coronavirus like it, obviously you knew what you knew going in yeah, yes and no. Like all of my hunts these days, I've always got in the back of my mind about the family at home and what's mm. happening in the outside world and that sort of thing. But um, obviously the the modern day inreaches and that sort of thing kept kept me in the loop with what was happening with weather and COVID and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, we sort of got to day four and things were starting to uh, how did it, how did it pay out plan out? Yeah, day three it was actually starting to ramp up actually, and day four. Uh, we'd just drop back off the tops to evade some nasty weather. Basically, Blake and I were planning to join forces and do a, a five-day mission. We'd, you know, we'd packed, basically our packs packed and looked at the weather forecast and we were going to go and we we're going to head to the, the head of the wild natives and have a look into some country we'd really been wanting to. And then um, rang up uh, on the sat phone and got a weather forecast on the morning. We were basically shouldering our packs and the message was no. Don't worry about the weather. You're coming out nine o'clock tomorrow morning. It's it's all turning to shit. So um, yeah, it was mm. such. Uh, it's a really really hard feeling to sort of explain to people because we're we're in the middle of nowhere, and nothing had changed in the surrounding around us. You know, the deer knew nothing about coronavirus. The blue nu- blue ducks knew nothing about coronavirus, mm. and we're, just to think the world was falling to shit out there. Yeah, and uh, we had a whole twenty four hours to basically ponder on that. And Clay and I went through went for a bush bash and went down to the head of uh, Bly Sound and looked around and yeah, hunting was sort of on the mind, but yeah, as I was sort of plodding through the bush, it was it distracted. Was very yeah, very very weird, surreal feeling. And um, I don't know if you've seen the video. We got back to camp that night. Um, it would be we were due to get flown out the next day. And a yeah, funny story. I just I had these gloves on. I was basically wearing these gloves to protect myself from the sandflies, and I was doing a bit of fishing on the way back up. And then the glove stuffed down the front of my pants and I was, we were just not far from camp and I looked at Clay and I was finally fiddling through in front of one of my gloves and I was like, oh, I'm missing a glove. And yeah, Clay didn't take any care as he does and I was like, oh, I'm going to go find my glove. So I split off from him and he was heading straight back to camp and I went right down the FR into camp clearing where we'd been fishing previously to find my glove and I didn't find it. So we both came back onto the camp clearing sort of, you know, a couple hundred metres apart. And uh, Norts was in camp in the old MIA tent with the fire cranking and smoke going everywhere and gave a roar just to sort of, you know, tease Norts basically as you do, sort of tease your mates and thought he'd come out for a look. And as I, as I roared, I got a reply from a really angry red stag really close to camp and yeah, the stag came barreling out and smoked it over in a big 12 pointer and it was, it was just yeah. really weird. It sort of just, it, it topped off this completely weird emotion. From that day, it was yeah, it was crazy, and I I'm not even sure. It was if literally I, the, the last day. Eh? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. It was yeah. it was basically dark when I shot it, and the next morning the chopper was there, and it was. Yeah, I don't, and I don't even know if I captured the whole emotion around that correctly in the video, but mm. uh, yeah, it was it was crazy, it really was. And Nort, Nort's also got a whoppity on yep, the trip. Yep, he was um, lucky enough to run into a um, a really old bull right up on the tops. Um, 
and um, having Blake split off for me, I dropped down to Lake Beddoes for a bit of a nosy round, and and um, he went back along the tops and, and ran into this ball again, and yeah, did, did his assessments and came away with a really old ball. It was only uh, just over forty inches long and ten points, but still a awesome trophy to take out of the mm, mountains. Yeah, 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 really cool actually. That was that was the one thing, well, not the one thing. I shouldn't say one thing, but um, what I really liked about that video was it was pretty raw, but also the fact that you, I guess under under I don't know if understood is the right word, but you took in there an appreciation of the history around Lake Beddoes and all that. And, and part of the hunt was actually around the adventure of following up on some of those iconic stories and areas and so forth. And I thought that's a really good, well, one, it's a really good way to go about your hunt because essentially, even without that 12-point stay, you would have had some success in what you were trying to achieve. Mm, mm. And, and it just, I thought it showed... I guess your appreciation as a hunter of previous hunters. So yeah, I guess um, you put any value in. Yeah, like I said, a lot of um, the the fjordland, um What draws me to fjordland is the adventure, and um, and it, you know, if I draw a block in fjordland I do a shitload of study about it, as everyone does. And, and part of the study about it is not only the terrain and the animals and that sort of thing, but the history. The history of those sort of things, those sort of areas, means a, shit, a shitload to me. I don't, you could tell in the video, but. Um, yeah, a big part of that for me was retracing some of the old boys' steps and, and seeing me there shot big bulls and yeah, you know, as you, you know, like, is that why? Hang on, I'm just going to interrupt here. Sorry, is that why Blake had that moustache just to throw back to the seventies? <laughs> oh, we all is know, that what we're thinking? <laughs> no, we all know Blake well, <laughs> and that moustache stays there all the time. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And, yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Back. To His missus there. loves it. She's the only one that does. But. But yeah, um, part of that trip, you know, I wanted to retrace some of those steps um, where some of the old boys had done. And um, yeah, I, I dropped down like when the boys decided they were going to head out along the top. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go on my own little satisf- satisfying mission and go and retrace some steps and head down to Lake Beddoes and stood where some of the, the old boys had stood and seen bulls and that sort of thing. And I was lucky enough to see a bull right where they'd seen a bull themselves. And yeah, that. Yeah, I I absolutely fizzed off that standing mm. on the head of Lake Well, you could see that in the video. Yeah. Yeah, standing at the head of Lake Beddoes getting chewed on by sandflies, but just totally <laughs> totally appreciating my surroundings, you know, and, and appreciating what had happened there you know, fifty years before or something, you know. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's massive. Cool. It is a massive thing. Mm. It's cool. What I want to jump onto is I guess I guess a little bit more serious stuff that you've found yourself involved in. I know it's not something you put your hand up for you know, all intents and purposes, but you did a um Khan yarn, <laughs> and it was it sort of found itself post a TV news clip when we were traveling, going from lockdown four to lockdown three, wasn't it? And yeah. there was a bit of it was disjointed as to whether we were going to be allowed to hunt or not hunt, and where it was going to sit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you found yourself. I guess speaking. <laughs> yeah, well, I Take guess. Take me through that. <laughs> um, there was, um, obviously, I know Tim Gale quite well through the, the Game Animal Council and the, the uh, media had approached him about a story, um, how hunters were feeling in regards to not being able to hunt during <clears throat> Level 3 and that sort of thing and how we were feeling throughout lockdown and not being able to get in the hills and that sort of thing. And, and Tim asked if I was keen to do something. I said, yeah, that's fine. And um news reporter came around and asked me a few questions about um, hunting and why we couldn't hunt, what it meant to us, and all that sort of thing. And the news ended up going to air, and as the media does, they they clipped it really short and actually cut out my 
you know, entire message that I wanted to get out to hunters and the thoughts around lockdown and what we should be doing and how we should be behaving and that sort of thing. Um, so the fact that they cut that all out, I thought it was a good opportunity to use the social media platform and, and throw a bit of a, uh, what I call a carn yarn together around, um, what I, what my actual true message was, um, mm. To that and um, yeah, it, it seemed to go well, and it sort of led into another one and that sort of thing. So yeah, they they seemed to yeah. Well, it was honest, which was good, and and it, I mean, I it fitted with the the ANZAC thing. You know, there was a mm. whole lot more going on that we could have looked at for bigger pictures. Like I I understand all the hunters were frustrated; they all wanted to go hunting, but there was a way bigger event going on. Mm. Like it, it is what it is, and it's we didn't have any control on that aspect. Yeah, but um. On that, again, the way my brain works, I look at something completely different, which you probably haven't put that much thought into. Like, I obviously watched it, liked it, shared it. And, and when I looked at the feedback that you got from it, I, I did see a couple of douchebag comments. But but on the whole, I would honestly say 95% was really supportive and really strong. Mm. Yeah. And not only is that, I guess, a reflection of what it is you said, but one thing that drew me from a a bigger picture in terms of hunting and, and so forth and, and hunters was when the message is right, we can be really supportive. And in, and when it becomes that supportive, and, and not necessarily about agreeing exactly with whatever it is you said, but we're still supportive, it kept the bullshit comments out because yeah. they had nowhere to sit. Yeah. And I, th- I thought that as a lesson was really strong. You know, like if we keep our hunt messaging honest and raw but good and, and supportive and keep our messaging supportive and and that doesn't mean you have to agree but even the people that had some variations to what you said were still positive about what you were saying yeah. and and you you know everyone's obviously entitled to that it kept the whole conversation or chat or rant or whatever at a higher level yeah. there was no douchebag comment as yeah. a whole and i thought that was the Real good take from that. Man. Like you said, there was a couple of douchebag comments, but then people came and chimed back in and, and shut, shut them, them down back. real quick. Yep. Yeah, and it, oh, like I was actually blown away by how much that you know people responded to that and shared that and um, gave their thoughts around that. And um, yeah, I guess that led into the the second one I did because I sort of touched on it briefly in the first one around the around the mental health and that sort of thing. And mm. and um, yeah, and that sort of led to the the, the second. Canyon, if you want to call it, where I think I think mental health was, was the main topic of it, really, and um, and it was very very relevant and still is in our hunting community, and and to be honest, hunting in rural community, yeah, um, yeah, and that one actually struck home for a lot of people, and some of the feedback and comments I got on that was actually overwhelming, and actually it really hit me. Quite it's actually hard. hard to take, eh? yeah, really yeah. really hard, yeah. If you if you put yourself out there and make comments like that. Some of the stuff that comes back, yeah. you got to be prepared for it because fuck it, actually. Yeah. Oh, mate, we well, got to even with the cookbook, yep, the, or the recipe book, you know, like and, and why we were doing it. Um, I guess the hardest ones for me was when you were getting feedback or comments from people that had been affected, yep, by mental health, right to the highest level, you know, where it, you know, unfortunately, resulted in a death. The the thanks. For caring, if that makes yep. like in a real basic <laughs> definition, yeah, man, it, it is. Oh yeah, it's a hard topic. I don't know. 
Yeah, and I, I don't even claim to be a professional in it. And I think I said no. that through the videos, and yeah, I'd love to learn more, and I'd love to help more, and 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 that sort of thing. But it's definitely a topic that needs to be talked about openly amongst us. Yeah, it's it's a hard one. Like we we need to talk about it. That's for sure. But um, I guess through what it is I do, only in the form of Ultimate LE, dealt with that many young guys now that, like when you say you know you don't you're not trained in that or you don't have that skill set. There's that many variations as to what people are having trouble with. There probably is some that you have a skill in. Mm-hmm. If you like, and that I don't I don't know what that is. Don't get, you know I'm not I'm not giving you an answer, but um. I think that's that's probably one of the lessons we all need to take on board is actually, yes, there's professional help and yes, there's numbers you can contact and and all that. But then equally, you do have something to offer. If you're not in a in a bad space, you do still have something to offer. Yep. And it, it could be just the communication. It could be purely the opportunity to step out of their four walls that they're in or yep. what, whatever. Like there is something you can do. Yeah. I think one of the hard things is, is if you do think you're one of those people that can offer some help, be prepared to have some tough conversations yeah. and, and be prepared for it to affect you mentally as well because yeah. you know some of these tough conversations you have with these people can actually make you start having some crazy thoughts yourself. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and that's one of the things I think a lot of people need to be aware of is if you're asking if your mate's okay, be prepared, be prepared for him to say no. Like, mm. you, know, you have to be prepared for that. It's pretty yep. tough. Yeah, that's very true, man. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know what we're going to do, man. You've got young kids. I've got young kids. <laughs> scares the shit out of me, man. Yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to go down that one. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know what needs to happen. Yeah. Um, Should we change the topic? <laughs> okay. We'll jump off that. We'll talk about the fact that you're a, um, call you an ultra athlete now. <laughs> now that you've done a coast to coast. Total athlete. <laughs> Well, I think I, I think I've used the hashtag athlete a few times, you know. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's um, I'm far from an athlete, as most you can tell by the amount of pies I consume and my double chins and videos and that sort of thing. <laughs> but um, coast to coast has always been a childhood dream of mine to be a part of. And I was um, sitting down having a couple of beers. I don't know if the beers had any influence in the conversation, but a couple of a uh, couple of beers with a couple of friends. Jeff and Finn Ross and we were, we were just yarning about coast to coast and we were tucking into a couple of mowers and then they were like, oh, you know, should we do it? And I was just like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, and then next thing the, lap, <laughs> next thing the laptop was Social out. Social pressure. And, yeah, yeah, next thing the laptop was out and we were, we were signed up and I think it was the next day I was like, fuck, what have I done? And uh, we signed up as a team and um, I was part, I was doing the cycling and Finn was doing the, the run and Jeff was doing the kayak and um, that was months out from the actual race and yeah, it was it was actually really really good um to have something like that on the calendar to work towards um physically and mentally to prepare yourself for and uh yeah once we we got stuck into the event it was shit it was it was life-changing the whole coast to coast event is something special really enjoyed it and stupidly enough i've signed up to do the whole thing again next year so when you got the guys at work yep yeah yeah so we've got a bit of an hcc high country contracting team going we've got three teams of three entered Plus one guy doing an individual here, plus myself. So um, that's cool. The business has sponsored the entries. It was thing, and we're going to get them all kitted out. And yeah, they, yeah, they're yeah. really, really excited about it. I'm really excited to be part of it with them. That's as cool, well. man. Yeah. No, you, you know, I definitely know that you enjoyed it. So it'll be cool that they did it yeah. or do it. That was Barney. Barney's growing at the door. 
that possum back to visit. The possum might be out so again, but he's just making sure we're okay. He's got it under control. Um, it is an iconic event, hey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, um, I'm just glad that, you know, it wasn't around the timing of coronavirus because to be able to, you know, a lot of these events have been cancelled and my wife Ash was actually part of one of them. She was, um, had signed up to do the, uh, summer, summer challenge, I think. No, spring challenge. One of the, one of the ones. That, anyway, it got cancelled, it got cancelled because of coronavirus and, um, she was gutted because her and her mates had been, been training for, you know, a bloody long time for it. Got themselves all prepared for it, and next thing, bang, it was just cancelled like that. And um, yeah, I'd be pretty gutted to have that happen to me. But yeah, coast to coast is if if you're thinking about it, just stop thinking about it and go, well, and, the, go and sign up. Like the way you you found yourself in it was quite lucky because you couldn't do that this year because it sold out like yeah. two days, three days into it. Yeah, yeah. And I think next year is supposed to. I think next year's the fortieth. Correct me if I'm wrong. The fortieth anniversary, so it's probably going to sell out even faster. Um, yeah, so if you are thinking about doing it, as soon as those entries go on sale, bang, you need to get in there. But when when do they go on sale? The day of the race type thing? Day after the or race. Or day after, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. You need to be onto it. But yeah, that's one of those um, uh, box ticking things that I did and yeah, totally. How much do you, totally like, no disrespect, I know, but you're not a, you weren't directly aiming to win. No. But you uh, wanted to be fit. Like how much training's in that? Oh, I think I think you've got to train to do your best on the day, and and I think being part of a team is actually, you know, they're all held, holding you accountable. We had a bit of a group chat going, and every time we trained, we'd sort of send videos to each other and hold each other accountable, which is really good. And I think if you if you do want to do it for oh, the first, just sweaty calm picks. Oh, mate, you want to see me? You want to see me in lycra? Jeepers! <laughs> no, thanks. You're oh, good. It's not a pretty. I think I probably sent you a picture, didn't I? But anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, doing it as a team is definitely the first, the best way to do it because, um, you do hold yourself accountable with your teammates and that sort of thing. So, um, that, that's good. But you either got to have the mindset of, do I want to be competitive or do I want to complete this and just tick the box and say, I've done the coast to coast. And if you want to be competitive, shit, you basically need to get a, somewhere to train you and you need to get all the nutrition, all that sort of mm. shit going along. But if you want to complete the event, then, yeah, just train to the best of your ability. And yeah. there's, I've there's, got a mate that, Good mate, actually, and he, everything he does is out to win. Yeah. And he's like 25 to 35 hours a week yeah, training. Far like, but you look at the, some of the, the state of some of the people that actually complete the coast to coast, unbelievable. They're, 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 there's some really old buggers and some really chunky monkeys, you know? Yeah. You, but you, mentally. Yeah. Mentally, yeah. probably pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like you don't have to be the fittest person on the earth to complete the coast to coast, and I think a lot of people get put off by that. Yeah. yeah. And do you are you doing team again? Or are you no, I'm doing I'm doing a tandem with my brother Clay. So the tandem means that we complete the entire thing together, and we're not allowed to be more than fifty meters apart through the the run, the cycle, the run. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. The kayak, yeah. That you're not allowed to be more than fifty meters apart. So the he's the, fit though. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, he's proven that. We, right. we, he actually spent lockdown with us. He's from Auckland. Spent lockdown with us, uh, level four lockdown, and split on my firewood. But we jumped on our bikes, and I've got this bloody fancy bloody road bike, and he jumped on my old rally 10 speed. You know, we did this loop. It was a 20k loop, and I said, oh, I'll give you a head start, and I'll let you do this. And shit, he bloody kept up. And I just pissed me <laughs> off. But yeah, he's, he's got, he's, he is very fit. He, he does do a lot of training and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm, yeah. he, he will drag He's, me. he's a crossfitter, right? Yeah, very much. Yeah. Cause you're a crossfitter when you can and do. Well, would you say that? I, I tell everyone that. 
Yeah, yeah. I've seen some pictures <laughs> with your with your knee bands on. Yeah, that's about as far as it goes. I've heard about those knee bands a few times. Yeah, I do enjoy my CrossFit. Yeah, I th- I I think CrossFit um, directly relates to if if you the the best way to be hunting fit is to hunt. But if you can't hunt all the time, do CrossFit. Yeah, and you you know you only talk you know, talk to Dre, talk to Andre Alapati about that. Yeah, you know, he, yeah. Well, he did, yeah, I did. He yeah. I th- I think that is the best best kind of fitness you can do that directly benefits your hunting if you're not hunting mm-hmm. yeah mm. just because your crossfit's so varied in the type of fitness you're doing you're lifting weights you're running you're doing all sorts of cardio and all you know and uh, you're going hard when you're tired and then yeah. yeah 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 and it, yeah, it is great but you do have to be careful because you can injure yourself yep, yep. Well, that's that's a proven thing too what, what have you got coming up for hunts what's going on here oh. um well this one was going to be the the mecca well, you basically said that. I think your wording this morning was, it's not like we're going to be looking at one or two bulls. There'll be a dozen bulls up there. <laughs> yeah, but you actually, you actually you actually proved that this afternoon when you said when that cloud cleared and you were looking up top and there were bulls marching around everywhere. Mm. Um, but there are, yeah, there's no snow. There's there's only snow on the peaks and the Tara high as shit. And chasing the nannies are obviously in the middle of the rut, but it hasn't really worked out the way we planned. Mm. But hey. But in saying that, well, we will I'll just come up with something. Here we go. Obviously, I've done some podcasts in the past, and there's also been a lot of um, hunter chat about all the cows and everything like that. Like, we're in an area, undisclosed, but we're in an area that had a lot of culling in, and there's still plenty of bulls. Yeah, it was an area that was um, targeted pretty heavily with the cull around nannies and you know, young ones. But yeah. There's still plenty out there to shoot. You plenty know. of hunting. Yeah. If we didn't have fog, like the one, the the six hours of blue sky we've had was has broken up into a lot of hunts if we wanted to. Mm. You know. Yeah, we just home, had, had that frustrating weather where Thursday we came in, it was raining. Friday it rained most of the morning, then we got out, recovered the deer. The fog set in the valley. And then today it uh, wasn't raining, but we had fog that was down really low, and all it did was sit in that belt of just above the scrub to just below the peak where all the tar hang out mm. and it sat there to what, 2.30? Yes, the centre of the valley was actually pristine blue, blue sky <laughs> yeah. and then there was just like this white mushroom on either side of the valley. We couldn't do, oh, couldn't do anything about it. No. But um, oh, either way, we've I've oh, I've had some success. You got a bit frustrated today seeing that. Yeah, I got frustrated today. Ooh, that big doozer that you videoed and got within a, what, 200 of and mm. Yeah, what, what did Max say to you? When did you shoot when it? You shoot it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, Max. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah very. Fr- I was actually frustrated today. I don't typically get frustrated, but um, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's just been a long time since I shot a good bull tar, and then it was actually a a real good, like yeah, like it. Yeah, they look proper. I don't, I don't yeah. know how you describe it, but it was a for me in my book. It was the tar I'm after. Yeah. It was hard, and it was it it actually got busted apart by some choppers. And the choppers weren't doing anything they shouldn't have been doing; they were just being choppers. Yeah, but it was just enough to push the nannies around a little bit, and he was only fixated on them. And yeah, um, being up in that real steep country where you get so committed to what you're doing because it's steep, it's not a case of changing route or whatever. Like yeah. once they weren't where they should have been and I could have done what I could have done. Um, I basically had to climb back down and start again. You know, like it was just a... It was, it was like a, like tough. you said, in, in that country, they, they only needed to walk 
10 or 15 meters around a different rock face and they've completely changed the angle that you need to look at them from so you need to you know you need to go down and up another way to better look back into that angle and it's just yeah it's so challenging and that's yeah we, we actually talked about it before trying to nail a big bull tar with a bow yeah. is just yeah, yeah, yeah one of those things yeah. and you know if you're if you're lucky enough to be able to get an arrow in a big bull tar i think it's just a hell of a hell of an achievement mm. yeah especially in, in that kind of country like yeah yeah. Anyway, so don't talk about my un- <laughs> unsuccessful trips. They're leading into um, hunts I've got planned. Um, to be honest, I had the, a big, a big raw plan planned out, but obviously, like everyone that's been canned, planned to do a buff hunt in July actually over in Aussie. Um, that was high on the radar, but that all depends on whether they uh, they create an Australasian bubble or not. Uh, that was going to be a bit of an adventure for my wife and I. We we're going to go and spend couple of weeks in Oz and cruise around and she's going to do the shops and I'd follow her around for a wee bit and then we'd go for a bit of an adventure through the outback and hopefully arrow a, a buff ball but um yeah we'll see if that happens or not but that's the only, only thing I've got on the calendar to be honest it's looking it's well it's looking likely I mean a date so we had to put a peg in the sand with but yeah um, it is looking likely yeah that'd be cool man yeah I've yeah I haven't as you know I talk to you about international hunting all the mm. time International hunting hasn't been high on my radar um, up until probably, oh, I guess, the last two years I've really started thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, had a, a big goal, I think I may have even spoke about this in the last podcast, was to shoot a representative <laughs> of every New Zealand species mm-hmm. with the same rifle. And I'm only two species away from completing that with the old 300 wisdom. Um, but then the bow hunting sort of taken over. But they're, Yeah, it's old chirping here. So if anybody's got any good Samborax... <laughs> Sing out. <laughs> There's two guys that I know of that are looking for good Samba access. Yeah. Yeah. Just yep. Uh, email They're us willing that. to exchange with good banter, probably a couple of beers. That's about it. That's probably <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Well, I can swap you a pick, hunt. <laughs> oh, God. You scared them away now. God. Yeah, but there'd be more good banter, so it's fine. All Kern's been trying to do on this trip is convert Max to be a pig hunter. Yeah, I think I've got him convinced. He's looking for a male role model when he's found one. <laughs> <laughs> what, but what was his reason? for he, he really wants to shoot a pig, but what's his reasons for really wanting to shoot one? I'm not sure. Because they're fat. That's oh, it. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he does like <laughs> Because bacon. they're fat. But yeah, the international hunting is really high on my radar at the moment. and oh, I, I went through a, a buffalo's bit. Buffalo's a cool way to go, man. Yeah. I've done a buffalo with rifle, but... Yeah, yeah. But my, my ultimate dream is a bull moose with the bow. And I don't know if that's going to happen in the next five years or next year or something, but... Yeah, I'd, I'd love to get over there and put an arrow in a big bull moose. What um, what about the moose? Why, why the moose? Oh, I, I don't know. It's, it's just that the adventure the adventure's huge for mm-hmm. me, but then the fact that they're just big fucking animals. Oh, massive. And, and you, can, you can call them in close... Yeah, there's just there's a lot that attracts me to it. But mm-hmm. yeah, one day. Yeah, man. I've got a, I've got a couple of friends who are even involved <laughs> in the guiding scene over there. Have made some promises and hasn't really come <laughs> to fruition. <laughs> hasn't really come to fruition yet. Yeah, I won't, no. I won't mention any names. One day, one day. Yeah, it would be cool. Mm. Um, mm. But but if, but back to the one that may happen in July. Yeah, Buffalo would be pretty cool. Yeah, and and a lot of you know, a lot of what. It was about was the adventure with my wife, and and she's actually really excited about the hunting side of it as much as I am, and she mm-hmm. she is an extremely talented photographer, um, far beyond my photography ability. Um, and she wanted to come along and photograph the hunt, and she's actually wanted to photograph quite a few of my hunts because her style um, would suit the hunter's journal 
uh, quite well, and she wants to photograph this buff hunt, so it would be it'd be pretty cool for us to share that moment together with mm. without children. It would be fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Because yeah. you want to actually make it like a enough safari as well, but an out, outback mm. road trip. Yeah, is it? Uh, yep. Grab grab a camper, cruise in around the outback, and eventually join up with um, a friend over there or an outfitter or something and go and shoot mm-hmm. a buff. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Then carry a stinking buff head around in the camper. Yeah. It's all part of it, eh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did that. Did you? Yeah. It's not good, eh? You'll buff some sort of bloody massive record book thing, though, isn't it? Um, based on my relationship with details, <laughs> I couldn't tell you, but at the time, <laughs> I do know it was, yeah, it was in the top five out of Australia. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a hell of a buff. I was pretty lucky. Yeah. So, um, we made the bumpy journey, which wasn't too bumpy, to be fair. Up the river valley today in, uh, or not today, sorry, a couple of days ago in Khan's old Land Cruiser. And that's become fairly iconic in some of YouTube videos now. Well, is that a boyhood dream or what? Oh, because yeah. not that my truck's pristine, but I've got air conditioning. There was more seats. <laughs> yeah, but it's just gay. It doesn't look so cool. It doesn't, <laughs> just, just, I shouldn't use that word. It just doesn't look cool in this sort of country. And I think, you know, if you talk to anyone who's sort of, serious about their four-wheel driving or their hunting or, or bouncing up a big Canterbury River. It's got to be done on a short wheelbase land cruiser. Um, so it's always been a dream of mine to have one, and I was lucky enough to bump into one. Uh, it was a, a pristine old machine, 89, 70 series, short wheelbase, and uh, this guy had owned it for quite a long time and kept it in his shed for you know, forever, and you know, everything was mint on it, and I was able to pick it up. Often mm. for a good price, and no, a tidy truck, eh? it's just been my, it's my baby, and the the kids call it the hunting truck, and it's just we go on trips in it, and Barney jumps in it, and the kids jump in it, and then there's not much room for any gear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got it all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got the roof racks, and yeah, yeah, we're away. But yeah, it's 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 one of the the OG trucks with the you know the the manual diff lockers and that sort of thing. So it really does go anywhere. Mm. It's yeah, really, no, they are cool really trucks. Cool hey, I have a fascination with them too, but they're slightly older than that. Yeah. I go a little bit older than that. Yeah. But only because that's what I learned to hunt. Like when I learned to hunt, when I was Max's age, yeah. that was when I sat in the back on the Jeep seats, you know, they were sideways facing yeah. in, in the back of the, those wee cruisers. Yeah. Uh, that's, I just always sat in the back, normally with two smelly dogs. They yeah. were always wet and I just got covered in wet dog hair. Like, yeah. That's just a part of my, where I began hunting. Yeah. I, so, I guess yeah. they got festival though. They got expensive. Yeah, yeah they are. The price they they hold their value. It's ridiculous. Like anything mm. with a Toyota badge on it. But mm. you talk. I want to. I want to ask you a question about your um, hunting and where where you started. You're obviously mm. a passionate pig hunter. Yep. Which I just don't fucking understand. You and I click on most things when it comes to bloody hunting and business and that sort of thing. But you've got this passion for pig hunting that just does not spin my wheels. I want, <laughs> I want you to explain to me why. Why it spins your wheels? Why you want to chase around a bunch of mutts? Well, hang on. Why you why you want to maintain a bunch of mutts for twelve months of the well, year? The first up, they're not mutts for me. Okay, yeah. I'm pretty attached to my dogs. Yeah. Um. So and I treat them well, but they also are literally part of the family. So every day, me and my daughter, who I still carry in a backpack, so she's just on two, comes out, walks with me, with the dogs. Talks to them all, and they're they in the house we're in now. They have free reign to the backyard, 
So, but we go out there and hang the washing out, and my daughter will talk to them. Get down, Maya. Get down, Pip. Like she knows, even the, all the words She's I say, you. she doesn't yeah, understand yeah. it. And like yeah. we'll be walking, and she'll be like, Maya, Pip, like screaming <laughs> out, even if they're right beside me or they're miles away. She's got no idea. Yeah. Um. So that's probably yeah. Like my dogs, they mean something to me for yeah. sure. Um. But I've been very fortunate enough to learn to pig hunt under some old guys that really respected pig hunting and essentially taught me a very, and this is not about me being a great pig hunter or anything, but they taught me a very high level of pig hunting. And, and what I mean by that is it was very respectful. It was always about the dogs. It was always about being polite and, and permission basis with the farmers and, and everything was done at a very high level. And the result of that was the farmers actually liked you being there. And so they would ring you. And then this is how my life works now. Like people say, why did you move back to Alex? I was like, because when I moved back to Alex, I've got any number of farmers ringing me saying, hey, do you want to come out and, and chase some pigs? Versus always having to phone people mm. trying to get onto hunts, you know? Yeah. And then the flow on from, I guess, the, the old boys that taught me, and, the, and and one in particular, he's now passed, Um led to me and I, I kind of kept this my own little bubble I only hunt with really good guys that have the same sort of thoughts yeah. and where that's led is I can hunt with a handful of people and it's always the same it's always about the dogs it's always about a good time there's nothing ever it's just it's just really relaxed it's really fun like and I sort of get my man time and I don't mean that in some sort of dicky bravado way yeah I get my man time really quickly and easily by going out and doing it. And I know it's respectful. And then I get a weekend like this where I go with you, I just leave the dogs with them. Yeah. Because I know they care for them. I know that they'll hunt them the same way. I know it's very respectful. Like, Does the, does the real satisfaction lie around scragging a pig and sticking it and carrying it out and eating it? Or is it more around the, the whole working of the dogs and seeing the dogs progress and your dogs are doing well? Oh, and, certainly about the dogs. Yeah. Um, like we carry out anything. We carry anything we catch. Uh, we don't leave any meat behind. Yeah. And and the basis on that is if if it's not good enough for our consumption, it's good enough for the dog consumption. Yeah. And I don't mean that like they're not worthy of it, but yeah, that's it. Always has a purpose when it comes out. Yeah. But it's always about the dog, and it's always about the younger dogs coming on. Yeah. They're the next line. So I don't. I wouldn't. I've I've always got to like. Basically, I run in a, a two-year window. So once the dog's up to two and they're running, then I bring in something new. So I always have arguably a pair. They don't always necessarily work together greatly, but they are, I've got something to put on the hill every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I can, I can, I totally understand the whole the whole dog thing because there's a lot of sex, satisfaction around training a dog and seeing it, mm. seeing it working and getting out and, and doing that sort of thing. Because obviously, you know, Barney could take down a, a pack of balls and no, oh no time, yeah, but, yeah, geez. But it's just the it's just the whole the pig thing. I don't I don't see the satisfaction and your dogs are bailing. You're going to turn up. Yeah, it's just another fucking pig. It's probably got lice, and you're going to try and eat it. And it tastes like <laughs> shit. Like whereas if you if you go hunting, you shoot venison. Venison's beautiful. Well, it could have a beautiful th- trophy. Honestly, yeah? thankfully, I mean, I know there'll be other pig hunters that disagree with my conclusion here i live in central targo and i was living in christchurch and the pigs living on you know basically that tussock country and 
you know, essentially eating clover through the spring and stuff. They're, they're pretty good tasting pigs. Like I, I have eaten pigs out of native country and I, even I find that a bit <laughs> less than desirable. Yeah. But, um, I, 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 we eat a lot of pork, man. And, uh, I don't, yeah, definitely. And I, but I get to pick and choose, man. Yeah. I yeah, get I a guess, lot of pigs. Yeah. I get to pick and choose where those pigs are going mm. and what we're going to use them for. Yeah. Just the, the, the satisfaction and yeah, it's just another pig. Sure. It might have big tusks on it and then you can put it on your back See, and that you doesn't carry. mean anything for me I get so yeah. many people say oh you must have a massive lineup of pig jaws and I've got three yeah uh, I had a few more when I was younger but I don't even know where they are now and the only ones I've kept since I've become an adult I guess are the ones that have hurt the dogs yeah and uh-huh. I only keep it as a memoir it's not they're not they're never those that actually pick up will know that it's not the real good jaws that actually hurt the dogs hurt the dogs uh-huh. It's, they're about one inch long, sharp as hell. Yeah, they're the ones I've got, and I, and for me, it's because with pig hunting, because I put so much emphasis on the dogs. Like, I've had great hunts with small pigs, if it's the young dogs doing it on their own yeah. and, and things like that. Like, it's massively rewarding. Versus, caught a lot of big pigs, obviously, three back surgeries into it. Yeah, like, but sometimes they're not the greatest hunts in the world. Mm. And I think that's the same with any species. I mean, it's just pig hunting. Yeah, like the, just the perception of pig hunters in New Zealand is, is not is <laughs> not, not good. It's not high. It's not yeah. good, and, and I guess that's what a lot of people perceive in in, in the pig hunting world. Mm. And you, you know, you're you're one of very few who I actually regard as you know great pig hunters. And you know, obviously, we we do a lot of it commercially for work, and you are one of my chosen pig hunters to do that. Um. But yeah, the, the perception of it in New Zealand is not good at all. Well, it? unfortunately, there's a lot of, I don't know, like whatever, this is a big rabbit hole for me. But there's a fair bit of bravado that goes yeah. with pig hunting. Yeah. And then when you think about, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to any young guy that's listening, but when you're 16 to 25 and you've got a an out card for bravado, it goes that way yeah. like we've all been teenagers like yeah. you know uh, and but, I think that's where a lot of it comes from unfortunately you know. Yeah. but I, one thing I do really dislike and it's not good for the sport that I love is we need to think a whole lot harder about what it is we're putting on either social media or YouTube whatever it is there's a dumb dumb move to have anything that could well not could be would be taken out of context and used against us so, and I mean that seriously. If anybody's listening, I am adamant that I'm against any of that. It is animal cruelty. Mm. Dumb. Yeah. That, that's, that's hunting in general, though. That, that some of the stuff you see put on social media now around hunting, like, you know, it's always happened around hunting and, and what people are posting in regards to blood and guts and tongues hanging out and that sort of thing. It, it does not work for what we're trying to No, the mission we're trying to deliver. Oh. Yeah. You know, pe- people pose with the animal, that's great. We all do it. I do it. Yeah, I've, I did it today with Max. You know, we posed with the animal and it showed our, it showed our kill, but I wiped the blood off the muzzle and I, I mm. poked a bit of the bloody stuff that had came out through the shot, mm-hmm. poked that back in and we, we made it look all nice. And it doesn't take a lot, but it just makes the the, the photograph without that yeah. more, much more appealing to people that don't yeah. know what they're looking at. You know? And you've still got the photo. And the actual reality is when you take that little bit more time to clean it up, position it you end up with a better photo yeah you do yeah. it's something you'd be proud of eh? and that they, you should be proud of them yeah yeah so social media and and photo and and even expectation because i feel like 
I'm going to be the devil's advocate here, can't so be Go prepared on. for this. Go but on. as much as there's a lot of people that maybe put out photos that aren't, uh, they're not supportive of what the message hunters need to be delivering. We've also put that much pressure on hunters and hunting that our stories and photos are dictating the wrong stories too. Like this, I only shot this because it was nine inch and no. I only shot this because it was an old stag. I understand the idea of animals needing to be for the benefit of the herd and yep. so forth. But when a young guy goes out and sees a stag, I myself, personally, not a golden rule, I don't have a problem with him shooting a young stag. If it's the best stag he's shot, have at it. Yep. And if any of the older boys have a problem with that, think back to your first stag. Because yep. I guarantee you didn't follow the, that same entry you're delivering now. But it, But then I do say... Well, from then on, you can shoot better. You know, like set your benchmark and shoot better and better. Um, have reasons for why you're hunting things. Yeah, like that—that's all good stories. But I just feel like sometimes our wording's getting so blurred. Yeah, yeah. Because we're trying to live up to some. It, it seems. It seems standard. We're starting to deliver to each it other. It seems everyone on social media and the magazines now has to justify why they've pulled the trigger on something, mm. and. Yeah, for someone who's an experienced hunter, sure, that's probably, you know, relatively important to be justifying why they're shooting something, whether it's, you know, fulfilling the freezer or because it's a better trophy or something. But those those young hunters that are out there who are just getting into it, they don't need to be mm-hmm. trying to measure the age of an animal on the hoof. Just put yeah. the thing on the ground and enjoy the fucking thing. Yeah. Like, I, like, I had this conversation with um, Joseph Peter years ago, yeah. or actually when we did our first podcast with Joseph, and, and we were talking about the idea that, and this wasn't an idea of Curran's or Joseph's, but, you know, a tag system in New Zealand and all this. I was like, well, is that a benefit to New Zealand? Because when you think back to when I started hunting, you started hunting, we got to we got to shoot a lot of things. And if that was then limited, would yeah. we lose hunters? Like, when you look at Max, yeah. how do you share this to him? And you can... Because it gets done internationally, so I'm not saying it's not impossible. You know, how do you share this with them and saying, "Well, look, we're going to go out, but we're only going to shoot one deer a year, mm. or one tar." You know, like yeah, it would affect it. Barney's growling <laughs> But like, like you mentioned today, just just today, we shot a young bull. If I was on my own and I was hunting for a trophy, whatever, I would I would have left that bull. I had Max with me. The first tar that walked around the face was going to wear it, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Solely because of his satisfaction you should have seen his eyes light up when that tar came tumbling down the bluff oh, yeah that was huge for him that's what we talked about when i go i just wanted to talk about how unfortunate my day was and we had to talk about max's day <laughs> <laughs> but you know I, yeah, yeah like you actually made a comment about oh shooting the young boy i knew you're only joking but you only said that because some well, people some people were going to comment on it. it's going to be part of my next, i've got no yeah issue with what you did for max it's going to be part of my next youtube video Someone will say, "Oh, what are you doing, shooting young bulls?" And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can, I can hundred percent, you know. But then that throws back to my comment, which has got nothing to do with what actually happened in terms of a hunt. There's still plenty of animals out there, <laughs> Far out. like, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. Yeah, you. This, ju- this valley's been cold. Yeah, as hard as anywhere, if not harder. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Eugenie shot her ten thousand, but we all know there's still plenty of tar out there. We don't want to tell her, but mm. yeah. Um, what else? You got anything else for us, Cal? I'm just disappointed. Pretty good chat. Disappointed. The rabbit ranch Pinot is gone. I don't. Port, where yeah. did you top me up with it? We've had two each. Yeah. Okay. Do you want pork? 
Yeah, we'll have some port, but then I feel like get a real rant going. I feel like the chat's going to get pretty shit after that. <laughs> uh, what where can we go with this? Yeah, I don't know what is, what's tomorrow going to bring, mate. Wow, honestly, I would love a ball tar. I'm a little bit dejected after today's outcome, mm. but I'm going to do a podcast with Maxie in the morning. <laughs> right, I think he's a wee bit excited about it. Very short version podcast. Yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, that I might snip into this, yeah. So you guys can hear firsthand about how Max's hunt worked. Yeah, yeah. You're going to sneak up with the bow. Yep. Uh, we'll probably tidy up the hut, and then um, we'll cruise out the valley, and we'll still be looking for tar. But yeah, both of us have got family at home too, so it won't be a, a long day for sure. Yeah, I think if we if we see uh, a decent bull that's worth a walk, we'll um, we'll climb after it and yeah. stay in contact with the radios and that sort of thing. So. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, you've got another climb in me. There's one thing that does come from another climb. Un- are you pretending you, cl- are you, pretending you Mate, climbed I today? Just, I was a shitload higher than you. I can tell you that. <laughs> I was starting to pucker at one point. I was like, "Hang on here." And I was like, Phew. "You know, when you <laughs> yeah. when you find yourself climbing, that's kind of a bit of a scramble, and you're almost on all fours. You yeah. know, like I don't yeah, know. yeah. You're almost on four. Um, and then I was like, "Shit, if this Tara here, like, we're gonna need to shoot. Like, what am I gonna shoot off? Because I'm not." on the face, you know, kind of like that. And I was like, I'll get my pack off. And it's like, Jesus. And I was kind of bellowed against the the mountain trying to take my pack off. And I tried to sit up and it just rolls back down. It's like, oh, shit. (laughs) You know, you know you're you're not in the tussock anymore. It's like, damn it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was proper steep. I actually, um, I actually kind of lost my nerve a little bit when I decided, okay, I'll bugger, I'm coming off here. And, uh, Going back down where I'd come up, I actually lost my nerve a wee bit, so oh, yeah. I skipped across and went to, just to where there was some fern and stuff, and yeah. went down through the fern, because I figured at least I could hold on to it. Oh, better safe than not, though, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want yeah. to come out there and haul your carcass out of a creek, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's that too. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's been a cool trip, man. It's, um, I guess it's the one thing we do have in common, is the share of business and life and kids, and it's yep. kind of just quite good to not have all of that well, the, 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 the banter doesn't really stop between you and I and at the moment you jumped in the truck and the Mackenzie and we headed on up here it's been, do we head up here because well, <laughs> my vision is we drove completely the wrong way for probably about an hour and 20 yeah well it's, I, I blame the banter for that the, bla- the right. banter confused me and I, it ended up naturally driving up another Ooh. valley I got quite Can't, regularly he just finished telling me like I've been up here heaps this is awesome like there's heaps of animals <laughs> the hut's awesome should have gone the wrong way for the last forty minutes. Turn around and forty minutes back to back to Twizer when Max is wondering what the hell's going on. But anyway, we got here in the end. Yeah, we did. No, yeah. it's been good. Yeah. I'll, uh, I appreciate your time, Khan. Cool man, it's good. Uh, thanks for the podcast. Thanks for the hunt. G'day. Thanks for listening to the Educated Hunter podcast. There are a number of ways you can connect with myself, Matthew Gibson, or my partner in crime, Curran Island, at the Educated Hunter. And the hub for all of this is our website, theeducatedhunter.com. Our Instagram page is at The Educated Hunter. Our website also has a spot where you can sign up for our newsletter that comes once every two weeks and is full of relevant information about hunting in New Zealand and around the world. And lastly, you can search out any of the episodes that we've done in the past and find the show notes on that episode. Other than that, thanks very much for listening and I hope you're having a good day wherever you are and your next hunting adventure is not too far away.